Welcome to RipperCast, your podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders, as we bring to you recordings from the audio archives. This is the fourth of eight installments in chronological order, spanning the years 1995 through to 1999, and all focusing on the Maybrick Diary. The following sound recording we bring to you is Anne Graham on BBC Radio Merseyside, which aired on the 4th of October, 1995. Hello again, Bob Azurdia here. And in recent weeks, the amazing story of the diary owned by the former Liverpool scrap metal dealer Mike Barrett has moved in new and increasingly sensational directions. Mike claimed that the diary came to him from a friend named Tony Devereux, who died shortly afterwards without revealing where he'd found the manuscript. Mike had his story told in book form by the respected writer Shirley Harrison, the story being that the diary had been written by James Maybrick, victim of a Victorian murder in 1889 and for which his wife Florence was found guilty. The Maybricks lived at Battle Crease House in Riversdale Road, Egbeth, adjacent to the Liverpool Cricket Ground. The diary, though, also was signed Jack the Ripper and detailed the horrific killings which terrorised London in 1888. So was James Maybrick also Jack the Ripper? Well, the controversy has raged and the diary has been said to be a forgery. But it's passed exhaustive forensic tests as has a watch which was bought by Donald Johnson from a shop in Liscard, Wallasey, about the same time as the diary was published. This had inscribed the initials of James Maybrick, as well as the scratched initials of all the Whitechapel victims, plus the chilling line, I am Jack. Well, Mike Barrett claims that pressure following the diary's publication helped lead him to alcoholism and also divorce. His former wife, Anne, now Anne Graham, having reverted to her maiden name, has helped fuel the controversy. Just as the book was due to be published, she made a sworn statement to the effect that she's known all her adult life where the diary had been, and had actually been responsible for it coming into her husband's possession via Tony Devereux. Anne, you've certainly helped muddy the water somewhat. Yes, that is correct. Um, first of all, I'd like to tell you the story from the beginning, if that's of any help. I'll just give you a brief outline of the story. In 1968, we were moving house, and I found the diary, it isn't diaries, by the way, it's one journal, in a a tin trunk in a cupboard, which contained 20 years of junk. Who was we moving house at this time? My father and myself. We lived with my maternal grandmother. This was before you were married? Uh, Yes, I was about 17, 18 at the time. Um, I found the journal and I took it to my father and I You found it? Yes. I asked him where it had come from. He said to me his stepmother had given it to him in 1950 and said his granny had left it to him. It was more than 20 years later that when I seen the diary again, when my father gave it to me. So you 
put it back then in the trunk of the car. I give it back to my father and he put it wherever he put it, I don't know. Yes. And when you found it that first time, did you study it? Did you read it or did you examine uh, it in any depth or what? I, I did read a little bit of it, not all of it. Uh, people say to me, well, what was your reaction when you found a document written by Jack the Ripper, which it is signed that. But really and truly, I didn't have any great reaction because Jack the Ripper was something like a spring-heeled Jack and merely a bogeyman of my youth. So I just wanted to know where it came from, basically. But you did read enough of it at I that time to appreciate that it was written by or purporting yes. to be written by somebody like Jack the Ripper. Yes, yes. And you were horrified, shocked? Well, I was, a, I was a bit surprised, which was the reason why I asked my father where it had come from. Um, and he gave no other explanation, That was really. the explanation he gave, and that's what I accepted in those days. One didn't argue with one's father, and I didn't. No, indeed, no, indeed. But you had no other suspicion that there was more to it. I thought it had probably been stolen and ended up in our house by, for some reason stolen. in the past. Well, you know, Pinch just suddenly arrived. I couldn't see what connection we could possibly have with it. But who would have stolen it? I mean, well, I don't know. You're not really serious. Oh, not my father. Somebody in the past. I just, I just have no idea how it got there. No. All right. Well, then, it finally did come into your possession mm -hmm. some time later. Yes. I took it home with me and I hid it. I didn't tell anybody about it. Why? I, I felt uncomfortable about it. I didn't like it and I just hid it. Well. Why did you keep it? Well, I didn't destroy it, which, which I suppose was another alternative. Destroy it or put it in the bin or get rid Precisely. of it if you just didn't want it. I don't know. I just put it away and forgot about it as it had been forgotten previously. Where did you put Left it? I put it behind um, a, a, a large cupboard in the middle bedroom. It was just popped down the back. And all this time, your husband, Mike, didn't know about it? No. Not at all? No. Why didn't you tell him? I, I just didn't want to. We're not sharing a great deal of our time, perhaps, and I just didn't tell him. Did you tell anyone? No. No girlfriend or other relation? No, I just put it away and forgot about it. I wasn't interested in it, didn't want to know about it. Did you do a similar sort of thing with any other possessions of yours? Well, I did use the cupboard for one or two other things, yes. But you wanted almost to forget well, about. Well, that were my... Put it out of the way. Yeah. yeah. You did. Mm -hmm. So th this was not unique in this sense, then? No, no. It was, I think every woman has her own little hidey-hole, and that was mine. So, why did it emerge again? Well, some time after that, I... Very much on the spur of the moment, I was going through a bad time, and I decided to hand the, the diary to my husband via a third person in order for it to be used as a basis of a novel. Now, this reasoning sounded pretty good to me at the time. Um, I really can't explain it. Anyway, this is what I did. But why through a third person? Because I didn't want it to be connected with me. Why not? I had my reasons. I had what I felt were very good reasons at the time. Can't you elaborate on the... I'd rather not because it is connected with my marriage and I don't want to go into that. Well, what about the name Graham? Because there's a connection with the name Graham, surely, which is supposed to link possibly with the, mm. the Maybricks and possibly yes. with yourself. Um, this was information that Paul Fellman found out. It is documented, apparently. 
When Florence Maybrick came out of prison, she called herself Graham. And when she died, they found an address book and all the G's had been torn out of the address book. So Paul Fellman at this point was absolutely certain that there was a connection between me and the diaries, or the diary. Because she called herself Graham, Graham. and your name And there were Graham. other things which I can't think of. Were there? Honest, but I other, think so. Other you possible would, links? Other possible links, but you would have to ask Paul Fellman about now, that. Very about, complicated. What about your father in, in, in all this? Did you ever discuss it with him? Yes, a few times. What happened was, when I eventually told Paul Fellman, which was eight months after the separation, and it was really just to get him off people's back, he'd done a very intensive research. Paul had? Yes, and, you know, people who really had nothing whatsoever to do with the diary were, were getting upset with the intrusion into their lives over it, and I felt I had to bring it to an end. I contacted Paul and we had a long conversation he told me about the Graham connection which I didn't know about and um, we decided to interview my father now my father was very ill at the time he had cancer and he was terminally ill and the most important thing to me at that time was that the rest of his life should be happy and contented and as comfortable as possible. So I didn't want a lot of people coming to him and asking him questions. And I didn't know how he was going to react to them anyway. I did ask him, would he have an interview with Paul? And he said yes. So when Paul had the interview, it was during that time that my father confirmed to him that Florence Maybrick, to his knowledge, had had an illegitimate child. He suggested that his father was that illegitimate child. And this was the first time I'd ever heard about it. I was quite surprised. That um, interview was taped and documented. My father then died the following November, which was last November. So that was the first time that any possible genuine link was verified. It was your father yes. who actually said he believed mm. that he was the illegitimate grandson of Florence Maybrick. Yes, he certainly seemed to believe that. He seemed to believe this, mm. yes. Or he, indi he certainly indicated it. Yes, well, this, 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 is, this was his belief at the time, his feeling mm. at the time, and this is what has come through to you. And this is on tape somewhere. Yes, yes, it is on tape, yes. I'd like to clear up, if I can, though, Anne, why did you, I believe, pass the book on to Tony Deverell? To pass on to Mike. That, that was Your it. husband? Yes, yes. But would it not have been just simpler to give it to him? Much simpler. Much simpler. But then... Because I... you are recorded as having said that you didn't want to give it to him because he might have felt that you, well... I use a word like patronising, that, 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 yes. that he would be too much uh, beholden to you for this. Yes. Which is an odd sort of uh, situation to, to, to contemplate. Um, it might be odd for people to understand. I just have to ask them to understand that. As I said, it, it was part of my marriage. It was the difficulties we were going through, and I, I, I don't feel able to discuss that. Well, the difficulties of your marriage apart, the actual mechanics of what happened. You gave it to Tony Devereux, who was a mutual friend of the three of yours. No, he was a friend of mine. I'd only met him about... Uh, sorry, a friend of Michael's. I'd only met him myself about twice before. Yes. 
So, what did you say to him? How, how did you present it to him? What, or, I just... What happened? I wrapped it up in brown paper and string, old brown paper I found in a drawer, and I gave it to him, and I asked him to pass it on to Michael, and, asked, and told him to tell him to do something with it, which he did. And no more than that? Very little more than that. There was very quick conversation. How long after that did he pass it, it, it was right. Know? It was right away, the following day, I think. And did he say anything to you subsequently? I never seen Tony after that. Never saw him again. At I all? don't think I. I don't think I ever because seen him again. Because he died fairly recently. Or he he, he died. Um, uh, I think it was in the August. I'm not sure, but it, it was fairly soon, matter of months afterwards. It was. That was quite a surprise as well. And then when Mike got this into his possession, and became all the searching for where it had been hidden for many years and so on. How did you feel at this time when so many people were searching for its roots, for where it had been hidden? He says he thinks it was in the building in which Maybrick had his office. Mm. I, I felt very guilty over it, actually, but at that point I didn't think there was anything I could do about it. Now, I'm not for a moment questioning or doubting your word, but is there anyone else who could verify what you have to say? Have you brothers, sisters? Did anybody else know about it? Aunts? No, no, uncles? nobody knew about Literally it. Literally nobody? Well, as far as I can make out, nobody can. We have done a lot of research in that respect, but we can't get any anything definite on it now. Nobody had ever seen it other than yourself and your father, as far as you knew? As far as I'm aware. And in those last statements with your father, uh, can you recall anything particularly which he said, which registered especially with you, which would help prove the veracity um, of the diary? There, there were, I mean, there was so much, I, I really can't think. One of the, the, the things he did say to me, or he said to, I think it was one of the researchers, Keith, um, he said, if I'd have known I had a document with perhaps a lot of money in my possession, I wouldn't have slogged my guts out in a rubber factory for 30 years. So perhaps that sums up his feelings about it. So he had retained it all the years, but really hadn't appreciated that it was of wider public interest? I don't think, yeah, no. Um, I, I, I don't know what he thought about it, really. Did he actually say how it had come into his possession. I appreciate yes. via the parents and so on. Yeah, well, as I said before, that's how he said it come into his possession, that his stepmother had brought it to him at the Christmas of 1950 and said that his grandmother had left it. She actually brought other stuff as well that she'd been holding for him since he came back from India. He, he was married, I think, in 1948. And uh, he'd your left... Father, yeah, father. he'd left um, uh, papers at her home in a suitcase, stuff he'd sent back from India, and uh, the diary turned up with that suitcase when she brought it round, which is, was actually the year she died. So, is there any possibility of any other documents or any other papers from... Well, the if period? there are, they're gone now. Have they? Yeah, have I they? Think Everything's so. all been oh, slung. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. don't have any ac access to grandparents' old stuff still, or there are no <laughs> suitcases still with stuff in? Uh, to my knowledge, no. No. Have you looked? Well, there's nowhere to look, really. I mean, my father's gone now. That was the last bastion. We've spoken to an old aunt who is still alive, and she hasn't got anything. No. And another aunt who actually just died a few months back, and she never had anything that we could find. 
what do you feel about it yourself now now that you suddenly find yourself thrust into a very unusual prominence after leading if i may say uh, an ordinary An ordinary, life, yeah. and then suddenly you find that you are possibly the direct descendant of a, of a mass murderer <laughs> no well actually if it's what we think it is or what paul fellman's re research has indicated it's florence that i'm connected with and she was not a mass murderer she might have been uh, a one-off <laughs> well she was i think an ordinary woman in an extraordinary situation who managed to survive that sums up florence i think um perhaps her husband was a mass murderer i don't know <laughs> but do you feel different because no. of this. No. I feel very I feel very silly actually um, about it all. I feel very embarrassed. I don't like coming to give interviews. I'm a private person. I don't want everybody knowing my business. Um, that, that, that's been the biggest problem of it, I suppose. Nonetheless, you are now involving yourself in further research. Yes, because I got interested in it. Mainly I got interested in the, the Florence Maybrick side. Um, the ripper leaves me cold actually. Yeah, I think you left a lot of people that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of people who are very, very interested in the Ripper. I appreciate this. Yes. Well, so now, what 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 direction is your research taking? Because I know that you are working to some extent with Paul Feldman and hopefully towards a film. Um, yeah, the film deal came through some time ago. As far as I'm aware, I don't really know a great deal about it. The last thing I heard was that the script was actually being written. But how far they got on that, I don't know. So what are you actually doing with regard to research? Um, still carrying on with research. I, um, I help out some um, typing up documents and stuff like that, really. Um, anything I'm more or less has to do, so sort of really on a voluntary basis, just an interest. I wondered, though, whether you were pursuing other relations or... Well, all other, other there are there are full-time researchers, and this is being done constantly. There are three full-time researchers working on uh, descendants, um, you know, uh, birth certificates and death certificates, trying to pick out descendants of different people, because it's not just my line they're, in, they're researching, but the Maybrick line as well. And anybody connected or anybody who might have um, a history of the family or, or know something about different people associated with it, like James Maybrick's mistress, who was... Um, or mistresses, I should say. There was probably quite a few of them. I mean, anybody associated with the Ripper or Florence Maybrick at all? They're all being yes, sued at this a, time. Yes, yes, yeah. How much more do you know about the, the Graham link, though? Have you any idea yet as to who Florence's Graham partner could have been? Well, um... If indeed he did exist. Yeah, if indeed he did exist. I, I'm not really sure. It's all part of the research, and I, I'm not terribly sure. There have been people brought forward. At one point, we thought, we wondered whether um, the Baroness's husband, uh, who was Florence's stepfather, um, uh, the Baron von Roque, we wondered whether he perhaps could have been the father of Florence's child. We pursued that particular line. Um, the, the could, it, there was quite a few people. She did have... A, a, a few lovers, I think, over... A, a few, over, Yeah, it? we're fairly Not certain. just Mr. Briley. Not just Mr. Briley, no. Um, there's, um, 
there's some evidence to suggest that perhaps Edwin was the lover who was James's brother, and there was Williams who was a solicitor in London. So we don't really know how many, perhaps before that. How much closer do you think you are towards finding out who your grandfather was then, and your great-grandfather? Well... Because surely that shouldn't be too difficult to find. Well, we, we, you'd have thought not. Um, the thing is, since we've been investigating things like birth certificates, we've discovered that they're not always written to the person we thought they were written to. Uh, things happened. In Victorian times, if a girl became pregnant, she had two options. One was abortion and one was adoption. There was really nothing in between. And there were people... Or the oh, Well, yes. The people would advertise to adopt children. Now, w there's a possibility that when they did this, they registered this in their own name. Now, if this happened, we don't know for certain, but it's a possibility it could have happened to my father's father. He was um, registered in the name of Graham. He was. Um, William. William also. Yes. And that line is a proper line for Graham. There's, the, there's nothing strange about it, as far as we can see. Um, so, we, you know, it's all supposition. You don't really know. Um, no, you don't really know. It's, no. it, it's as simple or as complicated as that. Were the Grahams all from the same area, would you know? Um, well, no, again, the history of my father's life is, is quite complicated by itself anyway, because his mother was a widow when she married my father's father, and she had six children. Your grandmother was a widow? Right, with six children when she married William Graham, who was my father's father. Yes. They then went on to have three other children. Yes. Um, one was my father, one died, and then there's the other auntie. Um, she then died in 1918. Yes, Rebecca died during the big flu epidemic. And for some reason, my grandfather split up the family, which made the other children very bitter because they were the brothers and their own brothers and sisters, only half, but born to them when they were growing up. And um, the three children of my father, uh, of my grandfather, were sent to live in Hartlepool, where he had initially come from. And then later on, my grandfather married again, within about 18 months, I think, and he brought the three children back, and they were brought up with a stepmother. So it's a complicated it, it family. Was, it's a, it, very, very... A continuing Graham thread which you can pick through. As long as you, you go to your father and his father, his That's natural right. father, mm. and look mm. beyond there, if you possibly can. Um, the, the, uh, the other point is that my grandfather was actually thrown out of his home when he was about 13 or 14 and told to make his way in the world because there was no more money anymore. So that made us wonder... Was it because whatever money had been coming in to keep him had just dried up? It is a continuing fascinating story, and you tell it with great conviction. But I have to ask, there are allegations that you personally wrote it or commissioned it to be written. Yes, I know there are. Um, the latest one I heard was that I wrote it because I am an ardent feminist, 
and I wanted to spotlight the feminist movement. This is as ridiculous as any of the other ones, actually. <laughs> but, I mean, you're right. These strange things do come up occasionally. You didn't write it. No, I didn't write it. <laughs> Would you suspect that it was a forgery or a hoax, not necessarily by your own hand, but earlier on? Well, there is a possibility it is a contemporary forgery. We just don't know. All I can say is that I seen the diary in 1968. That was my the first time, 68. Mm -hmm. My father seen it in 1950, but before that, I mean, it's anybody's guess, I don't know. It's up to the historians to tell us, to look at the information and be guided by that and decide, you know, where did it come from? So you, you are saying, yes, it might be a hoax, it Absolutely. might be a forgery, but not with, not certainly subsequent to 1950. That's correct. That, that's the only thing I can say, yeah. What about the watch? Do you have any knowledge of the uh, watch? A little bit. I'm, I, I don't know a great deal about the watch. Um, that came up um, just before the actual, the first book was published. We heard about the watch. And as, I, when we first heard of it, I mean, I thought, oh my God, I don't believe it, you know. But over a period of time, the information we've got about it, it seems to be perfectly genuine. I mean, I, I was telling you before, I met Albert Johnson. Who's the gentleman who bought it? Who, who, who is the owner of the watch. He is a, a very nice gentleman. He's retired. The, the, I have no reason to doubt his word whatsoever. No, but possibly it was planted. That's the allegation. Well, I really don't know, because I, I really know very little about the watch. But the jewellery, the jewellers say that it has been in their possession for a minimum of eight years and possibly fifteen. Yes, something like that, yeah, yeah. It was well before the diary came onto the scene, apparently. And what's next then? What happens next? Well, we just carry on with the research. Perhaps this programme will find us people who know something else about any of the families involved, which is always helpful. Um, Strange things that keep happening uh, will probably continue to keep happening, I don't know. <gasps> and what about the money side of things, Anne? Have you made a lot of money out of it? No, no. Have you no. made any money out of Well, very, not, not a great deal. The research, uh, the expenses from the publisher, there has been an incredible lot. And really, the, there hasn't been much money made out of it at all. But if there's a film made, you might. Well, I think most of even the advance from the film has been at open expenses. There, um, there has been a little bit of money, but not a great deal. Almost everybody involved talks about the curse of the Ripper and how it has adversely affected them and their life. Have you felt this too? I don't know whether things would have happened the same anyway. There are a lot of coincidences throughout. There were strange coincidences we found out in the research that really didn't indicate anything, but were absolutely made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. I mean, there was one that I, I find fascinating, but I mean, it doesn't mean anything. But when Florence Maverick died, the date she, the body was found was the 23rd of October. The doctors decided she probably died on the 22nd. I was born on the 23rd of October, and my daughter was born on the 22nd. No, it doesn't mean anything, but it's creepy. 
Yes, yes indeed. <gasps> yes indeed, it is creepy. The whole thing is creepy. Do you wish that it had not happened at oh, all? Yes. Do you? Oh yes. So I you do. regret now giving the book to Tony oh, Devereux? Absolutely, yeah. Why? I just do. I, I mean, I think the diary has affected a lot of people. It seems to have affected personalities, what people do. And I think it was better left unread. Really? Mm-hmm. Perhaps it would have been better had you simply produced it and given it straight away to a professional writer saying, look, I found this, I don't know whether it's true, false, or what have you, make of it what you will. Would that have been better? Perhaps it would have been better. I don't know. It would have still come out. Because we have the waters continually muddied mm -hmm. as to where There's the certainly been a lot of, emerged. There's certainly been a lot of confusion over it in the past, yes. So why ultimately did you come out and say, look, yes, I did, I, 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 I had it all the time? Well, mainly because of the continual research by Paul Fellman, which was interrupting people's lives, which was extremely annoying. Plus, I felt very guilty that these people were being annoyed because of something I'd done, and I wanted to stop it. Despite the fact that already a book had been written and yes. everything was going on? Mm, it was the only way I could think of stopping it. Because some people may say you thought it was a way of stopping it, which... Yes! Fair enough, some people which, will say that. Which may not necessarily have been accurate. Yes, well, some people will say what they want. I mean, people will believe what they want to believe in the end. Some people, it's not in their best interest to believe it because they have a lot tied up in the ripper industry, if you like. I don't know because I don't have that information to be able to say it is genuine. There's a possibility James Maybrick wrote it, but was James Maybrick the Ripper? I don't know that. was Anne Graham on BBC Radio Merseyside in October 1995. We are a podcast sponsored and hosted by casebook.org, where you'll find over 160 roundtable discussions, author interviews, conference presentations, Whitechapel Society meetings and archive tapes all about Jack the Ripper, East End history and Victorian true crime. If you have any questions or comments about any of our releases, feel free to contact us on the Casebook message boards or find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching for RipperCast. <laughs>